0: Today we're going to talk about marriage. Who's excited to talk about marriage today? Come on, right? Yes. All right. We're going to have a little bit of fun, and I'm really excited about this, so we want to let you know that we've got a lot of great things planned, especially here and in Grayson tonight. Thank you, Grayson, so much for tuning in with us today, and everyone watching online. We believe today is going to be a really, really good day. In fact, look at the person beside you and say, I'm glad you came today. Tell them. "Sam, I'm glad you are here. Awesome. Marriage. Oh man, let's talk about marriage today. So before we jump into this, that's just a few disclaimers, you know, I was talking about last week and, and I was preparing this message and Thursday came and I was kind of ready and, and, and I kind of shared some things with some of the staff to talk about marriage. Well, I realized I kind of left off in the beginning, the, really the importance of marriage, like what does marriage really represent? So I'm, I'm going to jump in that. So if you have your Bibles, go with me to Matthew chapter 19, Matthew chapter, 9. I'm going to set this up because I, I want you to know there's several people here today that are watching online, let's just face it, you married the wrong person. You married the wrong person. I talked about that last week, it's your choice. God doesn't pick your spouse for you. Your, God tells you who not to marry, but He doesn't tell you who to marry. If you're a Christian, you shouldn't marry someone who is not a Christian. The Bible is very clear on this. But honestly, let's face it, some of you picked the wrong person. And what happens if you've chose the wrong person? What if I picked to marry the wrong person? And now you hang tight because I've got some things I'm going to share with you just in a moment. But I understand what everybody watches online, people here today, everybody's from different backgrounds. Some of you, you're not married yet. And I hope and pray that today you realize the seriousness of marriage. Some of you, you've already been married, you're divorced, and you're remarried. Hopefully today you'll learn maybe some, the, some of the reasons and some of the baggage and things that you carry that you could work in your second marriage. Some of you, your marriage and you're about to throw the towel in. In fact, you've got the papers ready. You keep threatening each other with the word divorce and all this stuff and you're ready. You're just roommates. You're tired. You want a new spouse. You're there today. I'm glad you are here. Some of you, your marriage is going great. Like marriage right now, not that it's perfect, we got things to work through, but man, life is good, marriage is good, Everything's good, the kids are obeying, even the cat obeys. If you can get the cat to obey, you're amazing. You know what I'm saying? Like life is just good. So no matter where you're about to get married, or you plan on ever getting married, or if you're married and all in between, I think today God's going to use this to speak to you. So I just want you to know that there's grace, we make bad decisions, we make mistakes, but God has something He can do. In those. So I want to start with in Matthew chapter 19. You know when you think about marriage a lot of times people go to Ephesians chapter 5 and if you're married today if you're watching online in grace and I want you to write down Ephesians chapter 5 maybe text it to yourself and I want you tonight you and your spouse go and read Ephesians chapter 5. That's really the kind of the marriage passage like when I preach a, 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 a wedding or whatever that I'll use Ephesians chapter 5 and talk about the husband and wife. So that's that's usually where we go but I want to go to a, a harder passage actually it's in Matthew chapter 19 when Jesus is approached and he's asked about marriage now some of the Pharisees these guys were like the religious elite of the day they thought they could trick Jesus so they come to bait him and to test him about this whole idea of marriage and why marriage is absolutely really truly important because we live in a society today that don't think marriage is important In fact, marriage is just a contract. Just try it out. If it don't work out, kick them out. Try the next one. If it don't work out, kick them out. Try I mean, there's no like, there's no really strong conviction anymore when it comes to marriage. And so young people, you're raising up in a culture, society that dumbs marriage down. That's really no big deal. 50% of them works anyway. And and you know, why even maybe go this route? So I hope today you would see the seriousness of marriage. So we're going to jump into Matthew chapter 19. If you're ready, say let's go. All right, here we go. You asked for it. Verse 3. Some of the Pharisees approached him, Jesus, to testing. They la- asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife on any grounds? Oh, you're going there. You're going there quick. Is it lawful? Can a man leave his wife for any reason whatsoever? Is there any biblical reasons that a man could get divorced? Does the law say anything about a man divorcing his wife one question there's two questions here he asked this is the first one they asked him Jesus makes this comment in verse four haven't you read now this is a very important this is kind of a slap in the face to the pharisees he goes haven't you read of course they've read they've got the mosaic law memorized they know the first five books of the backwards backwards and forwards they had all the oh they knew the old testament and Jesus goes haven't you read It's really a rabbi looking at his pupils who were studying to become a rabbi and say, come on, man, haven't you read? Have you not done your homework? It'd be like a student going to a teacher, asking the teacher the question. The teacher says, well, have you read your book report? Have you read what you're supposed to read? No, I haven't. Haven't you read? You should know this, Jesus is saying. He says in verse 4, that he, God, created them, the married couple. In the beginning, he made them male and female. And he said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined, be glued to his wife. I just want to stop right there and say, probably some of your conflict that I've seen in marriages is that one of the spouses are still glued to their parents. I don't know if that was the in-laws that said that. Or someone's like, honey, you got to get away from your parents, right? (laughs) But really, we laugh about that, but some of the conflicts that people bring in the marriage is that they're still glued to their mom and dad. When, listen to me, when you said I do, you said I do to everybody else, and I do to my wife, or I do to my husband. They're the main focus for the rest of your life. Some of you still haven't left your parents yet. And that's some of the conflicts. The Bible says you are to leave them and be joined to be glued. Listen to me, young people. Listen to me, people who are not married. That's serious to be glued to your wife, and the two shall become one. Watch this. The two shall become one. The two shall become one. And then he says this in verse 6. So they are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore what God has joined together, let no one separate. So the Pharisee says, is there any biblical lawful reasons that a man is able to divorce his wife? And Jesus says, no. No reasons. That's not how it was in the beginning. That's not how God and why God designed marriage. The answer is no. So now they thought they tricked Jesus because now they're going to ask a second question, which most people take the answer to the second question as the answer to the first question and is not. Two different questions. So Jesus says, "There's no reason whatsoever a man shall leave his wife. Ever, ever, ever. no reasons. Because God took the two and He made them one. So in verse 7, they ask Him the second question. Why then? They think they got Him. Why then did Moses command us to give divorce papers to send her away? Yes, we got Him. Because if He goes against the law of Moses and obviously He's a false prophet, people will stone Him, He's gone, He has nothing to stand on. So if you say there's no reason whatsoever that a man can leave his wife, then why did Moses, the man, Moses, give the law that it's okay to divorce your wife? Of course, Jesus, being the author of Scripture, can be chuckling right now going, <laughs> what do you mean? I, I know this. I wrote this. And look what he says. Moses permitted you to divorce your wife. Not command. You see, the Pharisees got it mixed up. Moses never commanded you. He permitted you to divorce your wives because of the hardness of your heart, bro. But it was not like that from the beginning. So let's go back. What was going on? Why did Moses allow men to permit to divorce the wife? Because men started leaving the wives for any reason whatsoever. If you'd have burnt his breakfast that morning, he could divorce you. If you talked ill against his parents, he could divorce you. And so what happens, Men' heart got hard and they started outcasting and leaving the women to the side. And a woman who has no papers to prove that she has been legally divorced is an outcast, no one would touch her, no one would marry her, no one would take care of her. So Moses permitted, because of your stubborn, stiff-necked, hard-hearts men, permitted a paper of divorce to protect the woman. That's the only reason why Moses permitted it. Because you were not fulfilling the duty, man, that you're supposed to be du- fulfilling. And Moses did it to protect the woman. So give her a sheet of paper. But it was not like this in the beginning. So what does he mean by that? Well, we have to go to the beginning. In Genesis 1:26, this is what happened. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness now there's a lot unloaded right there I want you to look at this first he said let us who's us? like who's chilling with God right now when God looked and said let us there's a lot of debate go back and forth with who us is and what the plurality and what us is there But as a conservative, Bible-believing, evangelical, we believe that this is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Let us, it's the triune God, let us make man in our image and our likeness. But I want you not to miss this. Man here is not man like me being a man. It's mankind. It's plural. It's mankind. It's humankind. So God is sent here with us that we would say would be the triune God who says this. One person, I mean one and three persons would say let us Create mankind, them, in our image. How do you know it's plural? Look what he says next. They, man, humankind, they will rule the fish of the sea, the birds, the skies, and the livestock, and the whole earth, and the creatures crawling on earth. So, God created man, mankind, in his own image. He created in his image of God, he created them male and female, And so what it goes back to, it says this, for you to ask me if two who've become one can get divorced, it's like saying, can the Trinity be divorced? Can God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit ever not be one? No, the answer is no. Because the two have become one. What is so significant about marriage? What is so important about marriage? Well, here's what we need to know real quick before we jump into how we can practically fix some things in our marriage. The reason why marriage is so important is because marriage represents the image of God on earth. God said, I created them in my image, male and female. I want you to hear me. It is male and female that makes the image of God. So some of you have superiority issues. Listen, it's male, female is in the image of God. God is spirit, but He refers to Himself through the Scripture in a masculine form and as Father. But the representation of God is male and female, one, as it represents the Trinity who is one but three persons. You may say, what is the third person in the marriage? God, Him in your marriage is one. And if you were Satan and you wanted to attack the image of God, what would you go after? Marriage. Marriage in the beginning is a covenant between one man, one woman for the rest of their life because it's an image of God on earth. So if you were Satan, you would do everything you can to tear down the image of God, and he has. It's not a man and a man or a woman and a woman. It's one man, one woman for the rest of their life. Why do you think the image wants to attack marriage? I'm not being mean. That's not political correct, but it's biblical correct. So if you were Satan, what would you want to attack? The image of God. Why do you think he hates marriage? Why do you think he wants to destroy your marriage? Because it's the image that God set up in the beginning. Do you see the difference? Do you see the importance of marriage? When we live in a society, just want to throw it out, try to redefine it, and it is what it is, and what it is what it is. But if you are Bible-believing Christian, we have to stand on what is truth. And the truth is marriage is a covenant between one man and one woman for the rest of their life. Marriage also represents Jesus and the church. Remember I told you Ephesians chapter 5, I'm not going to turn there for time's sake, but Ephesians chapter 5 it says Jesus is the head of the church and the church is his bride. Men, men, we are to love our wives as Christ loved the church, which means he gave his life up for her. I see it all the time, like, my, my wife, she won't submit to me. My wife, she, she won't follow me. Listen to me, bro. Listen, listen, listen. If you would love your wife the way Christ loves the church, she'll have no problem following you. And all the ladies should have went, hello. <laughs> she had no problem following you. And you could give her back massage and rub her feet. That goes a long way too, okay? <laughs> but it's a picture. Watch this. Jesus is the head of the church and the bride. And the same way, men, God has called us to lead our families. And the problem with families today is men won't lead their families the way God wants them to lead their families, and that is a big issue. You guys say, "I don't know what to do. I don't know." Step up and lead your family. Step up and be the man that God's called you to do. I know we have all this press, 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 man up, man up, man up, but listen, the greatest thing you could do is not man up, but man down and get on your face before a holy righteous God and beg Him to show you how to lead your family. If we would just step up and do everything that God has called us to do, it's amazing how things fit together and go in the flow that He has designed it. This is not an equality issue, it's a structure issue issue that God has called as Jesus leads the church, men, we're to lead our families. And I promise you this, I promise you, you can ask any woman on the planet, she would love to have a godly husband who will lead them in the direction that God wants them to do. And we're going to talk through some of that tonight, so I'm not here to beat you up on that. I'm here to say, let's step up. We can't change, we can't fix yesterday, but we can start new today. And here's the last one, then we'll move on, is marriage represents a covenant, not a contract see this is what society say marriage is a contract you know what a contract's, right if you're a college student you just signed one for the rest of your life called Sally May you signed a contract and that sucker will follow you around to the grave if you bought a house you've signed a contract if you, if you bought a vehicle you've signed a contract and a contract is written to protect you that's why whoever writes the contract is to protect them I'm gonna protect all my rights and limit my responsibilities that's a contract But a covenant says, I'm going to get rid of all my rights, and I'm going to pick up all the responsibility. That's a covenant. And that's like God looking at you and saying, listen, here's the covenant in my blood with Jesus. If you put your faith and trust in Him, I will save you. And guess what? Even if you turn your back on me, I will never turn my back on you. I will never leave you nor forsake you or abandon you. That's a covenant. Even when you don't fulfill your your side, I will fulfill it. See, everybody thinks marriage is 50 50. Marriage is not 50 50. Marriage is 100 and 100. And if you do zero, I still do 100. That's a covenant. So before you enter it in, you better choose wisely who you're about to bound the covenant with for the rest of your life. That's how important marriage is. But let's face the facts. Some of you, for the first time, you just heard this. Some of you, you knew this. And let's just face it we're all sinners. Every one of us have blown it. And we've all made bad decisions and poor decisions. Some of you, you married the wrong person for the wrong reasons at the wrong time. What do you do? Do you leave them? Do you divorce them? God says absolutely, 100%, no. What do you do? You chose it. You picked your spouse. You said for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, for broker, or broke, or broker. Either way it goes, you picked it. Right? What do you do? How do you change them? If I'm stuck, some of you right now are going, are you telling me I'm stuck with this joker for the rest of my life? Yes. How do I change them then? Here's the truth. You can't. I can't change no one. I can't change you. I can't change my wife. She can't change me. I have no power to change you. I have no power to change my wife. So here's the reality, only God can do that, but God wants to do a work and change in me. And I want God to do a work and change in my life. And I know this is, this is, this is so fascinating, but that's the word I'm looking for. Awesome in the same time, in the same way as this. On April 26, 1977, when I was born, before I took my first breath, God knew my last breath. And he knows everything in between. He knows every sin that I would commit. He knows every bad choice I would make. He knows every good choice I would make. He knew that I would accept him because God don't make robots. He knew this. And he looks at from April 26, 1977 to the day I breathed my last breath on earth. And he planned out my entire life. He knows everything. And watch this. He took in consideration all the stupid stuff I would do and say. And still somehow is able to work it out romans 8 tells us this look what he says and we know that god causes everything not god calls that but god causes all your choices every choice you've ever made to work together for good of those won't miss this who love him and those who don't love them the opposite is true everything's working against you if you don't love him but if you'll love me i'll take your sin your dumb choices all your mistake I've put them together, and I will work them out if you'll just love me and trust me. Because I knew in advance you were going to do this. And guess this. Guess what? This is fascinating. He still loves you. And he still died for you. And he still has a purpose for you. And he still woke you up this morning. And he still has hope for you. And he knew the decisions you would make. And he knew the decision I would make. So what do you do if you said, I do, to the wrong person? because some of you here right now you're ready to sign the papers some of you you're just roommates just living in the same house kind of no passion fires kind of died out you like them I mean they're okay but you're like ah we're just not the same anymore come back tonight if you're married and you signed up for the married night because we're going to be talking about this we've only got a few spots left you better jump in quick if you're going to come you and your spouse needs to be there and we're going to have some interaction and work through this what do you do when this happened so let's go ahead and just jump into this that was all introduction if you're ready for the sermon so let's go <laughs> are y'all hungry now aren't you now you're like hurry and get out of here hurry right so here if you're going to take some notes I'm going to blitz through these real quick so here's some things if you sit down listen I've been married 20 years this August I don't have everything figured out about marriage okay I don't have it all figured out I'm not a professional marriage counselor and we're we'll going to talk about that just in a moment, maybe some steps and things to take. I have been around, I've been married for two decades. There's some things I've learned through it. My wife and I, right now we have a great marriage. Things are awesome right now. My love tank is full. <laughs> things good. So I'd say that to say I'm in a, I feel like we're in a healthy place tonight to lead you as we talk through some things about marriage. i feel like I'm in a place to shared this to you. If you came and sat down and said some marriage counseling, okay, pastor, I'm stuck. What do I do? This is it. This is what I would share with you. So we're going to have a big old counseling session, right? It's going to be good. And people are going to leave here excited. And we're going to fix this. And God's going to come through with this. And you're going to have the marriage you've always wanted with the person you are with now. I have to believe that if his word is to be true. So here's the first thing you've got to do, okay? It's the first thing. If you came and you sit down and said, what do I do? I'm stuck. I'm with this person. I want out. What do I do? Here's the first thing. Accept responsibility for your choice. This was your choice. You can't be a victim anymore. Well, pastor, I was young. My parents forced me to get married as a young age. People kicked me out. I didn't know what to do. I was blinded by love. I was blinded by lust. I thought, you walked the aisle, you signed the covenant, you said it. The first thing you got to do is to accept responsibility that this was your choice. I chose it. For better, for worse, I chose it. Even Paul in Galatians 6 says we're responsible for our own conduct and for what the things that we choose in our life. I know you can't control your spouse's actions, you can't control their attitude, but we've got to move past complaining about your marriage, resenting your marriage, blaming your spouse for your unhappiness, and move forward instead of thinking, I wish I could marry someone else. And you see people in divorced, they remarried and their second marriage is awesome, it's great, life is good. And like, man, see, life is greener on the other side. But they crossed the septic tank to get there. Life is not greener over there. It's greener where you water it. And some of you need to go home and start watering it. So that it will become green. So that God will begin to grow. And for that to happen, you've got to tackle one problem at a time. Not all of them, but one problem at a time. You first got to say, you know what? I chose this. I accept responsibility. I'm not a victim. I'm not blaming I chose this. I said this. I wasn't duped into this. I went, whether I was blinded by lust or love or whatever it was, my eyes are open now. I chose this. Here's the second thing you've got to do. This is the big one. You've got to believe that my marriage can change. You've got to believe it you got to believe that your marriage can change. Some of you are confused, you're disappointed, you feel hopeless, but God hasn't given up on you. In Matthew 19, if you keep reading, the disciple says, if this is how tough it is to be married, maybe we shouldn't marry it at all. And you know what Jesus says? You're right, some of you shouldn't get married. If, Mary, if being married is a covenant and we can't leave for any reason whatsoever, then maybe it's best that some of us don't get married. And Jesus says, you're right, you better take it seriously. But then he goes on and says this, and Matthew, we see this in 1926. But humanly speaking, it's impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And my question is, how are you looking at your marriage today? Through God's point of view or yours point of view? Your point of view, you think it's impossible. God looks down and says, oh, it's possible that I could do a great work right here. I'm just naive to believe that if God can resurrect his son from the dead, he can resurrect your marriage from the dead. I just believe that. I just believe it. Because. Everything and anything is possible. But you got to believe it. Something like, but I don't feel it. The reason you don't feel it is because you don't believe it. Your feelings follow your belief. And if you will go home and change, that's what it means to repent, change your mind, your feelings will follow it. I believe I can have the marriage God always wants me. I believe this is the one I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. I believe they can change and God can change their heart. I believe it. And guess what happens? Your feelings will follow the belief. Here's the third one. And here's the problem with most of us. We give up too soon. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. You've been sowing and sowing and sowing, and now you're going to throw the towel. And listen to what Paul says in Galatians 6, 9. So let us not get tired of doing what is good. Just at the right time, we will reap a blessing, a harvest of blessing, if we don't give up. So many just give up too quick, too soon. Why? That's what our culture says. Don't work out? It's okay. Just sign a prenup go into to the next one. Let's go. That's what our culture says. But the truth is you're either growing together or you're growing apart, there's no in between. We're either growing closer to each other or we're growing away from each other. And some of you give up too soon. Try to find somebody else. You don't deal with the issue. This is really big, I see this. Because if you get divorced, I think it's about a 40 to 50% chance you get divorced. If you remarried the second time, I think it was 60% chance to get divorced. If you remarried your third time, you had a 78% chance you will get divorced based on statistics and you know what the problem is you think listen to me bro you think the next woman is going to fulfill your needs and it does for the first three or six months right life is good it's something going great she's the one the grass is greener we never argue all the time we both like everything that come we both love NASCAR we both love to sit around or under on Sunday and watch NASCAR I mean like you found the person then all of a sudden the same problems you had in your first marriage now is in your second marriage but because that got out, you think I can get out of this, so you go to the next one. Maybe this is it. The third one is charm, right? This is life. Life is good. Now all of a sudden the problem comes back up It's the third one. You know what the problem is? There's a common denominator there and it's you. See most people move on without dealing with the issues. And listen, some of you have been married and married again. The reason why you still have problems is because you haven't dealt with the baggage that you've brought into this next relationship. And if you're single and you're about to get married, it's the first time you get married, this is another problem. You both bring baggage from just relationships into the marriage that you don't deal with. And you're wondering why you're having problems year one, year two. Because you haven't dealt with the unresolved issues and the conflict that's in your past. It costs to have a great marriage. It costs a lot of time and energy, but I promise you the divorce court will cost you way more. Probably about half of what you have, bro. It costs way more. It'll cost, Ask anybody who's been divorced. It costs you financially, emotionally, relationally. It costs you physically, memory, especially if you have children. It costs. It will cost. And some of you are thinking, man, I don't feel like working on my marriage anymore. I'm done. I'm done. Let me tell you, I was going to share a little bit about this tonight, but I, I drank a little bit too much coffee between services, so I'm going to share it right now. You want me to tell you when you know when they're done? Listen to me, sir, when she doesn't cry anymore. Because when the tears roll out and they're done, the heart is now as hardened. There's no more passion. There's no more love. When the tears stop rolling, I'm done. I don't cry anymore. I'm done. That is one sign that you begin to see in their life. I'm telling you, it costs. What do you do? If you don't feel like working on it anymore, I'm done, I don't want to work on it anymore, I don't want to work on my marriage, what do you do? Here's what you do, you go home and you beg God, God, change my mind and give me the feelings I once had because you used to have the feeling. And here's why I'm just naive to believe, if you felt it then, you can feel it again. If you felt like that when you walked the aisle, you can feel like that again now. I know life changed, circumstance change, and things change, but you change how you adapt to it, and that's the problem. Nobody wants to change. Everybody wants everything else to change around them, but you've got to work through this and change. And the only person you can change is you. And I'm telling you what, if you go do the right thing, I just believe God will bless you. He'll bless you. Here's the fourth thing you've got to learn to forgive each other, you've got to forgive one another. You ask anybody who's been married long enough, they'll tell you, you better learn how to forgive. I was, I was talking before the service to the stash in the back, the stash. I know you can't see him back there, but he's got an awesome stash. It, he, he runs our sound for me. I call him the stash. He just the stash. You know? I said, how long have you been married? He said, 34 years. Listen to me, young per- people. That's who you need to go talk to. That's who you need to go talk to. You go find someone who's been married 50 or 60 years and sit down with them and talk to them. They'll just ask for a cup of coffee. You better meet with them at lunch. They'll be asleep by four, so you go meet with them. <laughs> how have you been married 40, 50 years? How did how'd you, how'd you learn to live with each other? that's your marriage counseling like go find those people and they'll say you better learn to forgive each other I love what Paul says in Colossians 3 make allowances you see what he's saying you better put some pocket chains aside because you're going to have to make allowance for the faults that you have in people's lives and forgive one another who offends you you will be offended and remember the Lord forgave you so you must forgive others if God can forgive you how can you not forgive them That's why I keep saying you can never love her or love him the way they desire to be loved or need to be loved without first experience God's love and forgiveness in your life. And here's how you know you haven't forgiven you're still mad. If you're arguing back and forth and you're mad and you're just mad, let me tell you why you're mad. You're mad because you got a forgiveness issue. Anger is just a secondary emotion that blocks something that you don't want to be hurt no more. So the reason why she gets angry, the reason why you get angry is because you still unresolved hurt in your life that you have not dealt with because you have not forgiven. When you see someone mad, they don't have an anger issue. They got a forgiveness issue. And you've got to deal with that. How do I learn how to forgive? Because your marriage will not work unless you do. And you need to be reminded, sir and ma'am, That God forgave you for all your sins. Every time you walked out, every time you've turned your back on him, he forgave you. And guess what? He still loves you. He still has a purpose for you. He still saved you. You know why? Because it wasn't a contract. It was a covenant. So if we're going to forgive people, we've got to understand how much we've been forgiven. This one seems very basic and simple, but let me throw this out to you. This is the fifth one. You need to get help. You really do need to get help. You need to seek help. And I hear it all the time, I don't have enough money to go to counseling, but you do to go file the divorce papers. Get on a budget, spend your $125 and go talk to somebody. You need to get help. It's okay to ask for help. And I just want to tell you this. If you're going to go get help, you got to find someone who's a Christian counselor. Don't go to someone who's not a Christian counselor. Not that they're not good. Not that they don't have good advice to share with you. But they're coming from a different whole perspective, from a secular world point of view. And from a psychology point of view, you need to go to someone who loves Jesus and loves the church. And they're willing to take your money to talk to you. You know what I'm saying? But that's the order. I want to find somebody who loves Jesus, who loves the church, and was willing to take that on profession to help people like me. Get help. Like I said earlier, you really want help? Go find somebody has been married 50 or 60 years and go take them out for lunch and say, how did y'all do it? That's the best counseling you could get. And I'll tell you how they made it. And it was tough, but they worked it out. Get help. Maybe you need to get in a group with people and sit around a group and say, I'm going to be honest with you. I know you see our Facebook pictures all the time and everything looks great and everything looks in order, but behind the scenes we're falling apart and you need to get around somebody that says, will you help us because we're not getting along. Because the devil wants to make you think you're the only person going through that and that is not true. That is not true. And you just get people you trust who love Jesus, love the church and they love you and you say, listen, I know you think everything's going good but we're not going good. We need you to pray for us. Can we talk? Can you just help, maybe help us see some things? Get around people who will help you. And then lastly, it's my last thing I want to share. And this Peter writes to the wives, and I believe this is also applicable to the husband. But Peter writes this to women, to the wives. In fact, I'm going to use this verse in our March series when we talk about having conversations. How do we share, you know, show people Jesus and and win people to Christ? We got it's really fun. We got a great thing planning up before we get into Easter. But this is a very important passage because it's a promise. Listen to me, ladies. This is a promise because it's mostly it's the woman who's married to a non-believer. The husband's not a believer. Or you got married, you got saved, and he won't go to church with you. Typically, that's what you see in a marriage relationship. Very rarely. I don't think you, you show me a man who loves Jesus and follows Jesus, I'll show you a whole family that will follow him. But so Peter writes this to you. Now, I want you to listen to this promise. It's First Peter chapter 3, verse 1. Even if, he's talking to the wives, your husband, some refuse to obey the good news your godly lives will speak to them without any words and they will be won over to the faith, to the family of God. How? By observing your pure and reverent lives. If you're married to a non-believer, you say, what's my strategy? There you go. Which leads me to my last point. Show them Jesus. You go in and you show love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. You go show that. You can't change their response. You can't change their attitude. But Peter says by they see your spirit and what God is doing in your life will convict them and bring them to repentance. Go show each other Jesus. You say you're a Christian. You say you're following. Now go show them who Jesus really is. And I know some of you right now, you feel like your marriage is on the rocks. And now you really feel hopeless because now you may feel like I'm stuck. I wanted out. And I, ugh, you tell me I can't get out and all this stuff. And you don't see them changing. But I'm here to tell you, with God, anything is possible. I love, he says, For I can do all things in Christ that gives me the strength. You know what all things means? That means I can learn to love someone I don't like right now again. You can. You just got to believe he can do it. And let's just face it. We've all made mistakes. Some of you, you made the mistake. You married the wrong person for the wrong reasons at the wrong time. What should you do? Should I leave? Absolutely not. Should I throw the towel in? Absolutely not. Should I check out, don't check out. God knew you would make that decision, and He still has a purpose and plan that's going to be awesome for your life. if you're trusting. And I pray this today for Grayson, I pray this today for you and for everyone watching online. Here was my prayer today, is that God would perform a miracle in your marriage today. He will do that today in your life. I'm going to ask if you would to bow your heads. For those of you who are married, what did did God share with you today? For those of you who plan on ever getting married, understand the seriousness of marriage, that it's a covenant, not a contract. For those of you who made the mistake and married the wrong person and now you're remarried to the second person or third and it's great, like I mean like your marriage is doing really good right now learn from your mistakes you can't go back and change the past sometimes you got to go back in the past to be healed emotionally from it but you can't change it today's a new day start loving her the way she needs to be loved today start respecting him the way he needs to be respected today start today I'm starting today all over but I'm here to tell you in both of our locations and everybody watching online I've said this over and over and over but you cannot display the love the affection and forgiveness without receiving it yourself from Jesus so the greatest decision, the first decision you need to make today is to give your life to Jesus, so I'm going to ask you to pray with me, if he says you know what, I've tried everything else, I'm giving my life to Jesus, he started it, he's the one made the covenant of marriage, if he's the author of it, surely he can help me he can, if that's you and you want to give your life to Jesus, would you pray with me Now, saying a prayer won't save you. You know that. I say that all the time. But my lips can proclaim what my heart declares. And if you declare Jesus Christ as Lord, come on, pray with me. Say, Jesus, I need you. I believe you came for me. I believe you died for me. And I believe you got up out of the grave for me. And today, I ask you to forgive me of my sins and the mistakes I've made. And heal me. Now help me follow you, Jesus, all the days of my life. Now here's what I want you to do. Because I want to pray for you, those of you who just gave your life to Jesus and those who are watching online and in Grayson. If you just gave your life to Jesus, I want you to do something right now for me. I'm not here to embarrass you or anything. I want you to raise your hand right now and say, Pastor, I just pray with you give my life to Jesus. Come on, would you put your hand up? Come on, keep it up. I see you, bro. Anybody else, get your hand up. Come on. I just want to let you know I prayed with you. Awesome. Anybody else? I see you, man. That's awesome. Awesome. You can put your hands down. Now, here's what I'm going to ask you to do at both of our locations because we're going to trust that people are being saved at both of our locations and online. And just in a moment, I'm getting ready to pray. And when I begin to pray, here's what's going to happen. Our team members who serve in the Next Step area, which is the red room across the hall or the banner out front there at Grayson, it says Next Steps on it. They're going to stand up when I begin to pray, and they're going to walk out and beat the crowd out to their Next Step area. And if that was you who raised your hand, I can't make you. I'm not forcing you. But we have a resource we love to give you. Here's what I want you to do. When I begin to pray, will you grab your things and go ahead and just step up and walk on out? the the next step area so you can beat the crowd out and we can pray with you and we can give you some resources as you begin your walk with jesus so for all of us right now here's what we're going to do all of us let's let's just go ahead and stand up all of us together we're going to stand up together and as i begin to pray if you gave your life to jesus and all your team members would you go ahead and go god thank you so much for your love and your grace and your mercy god i saw almost four hands i think it was four hands go up god that's 10 today here at our moorhead campus god you're doing something great God, thank you so much. I pray a special blessing on their life right now as they begin to move. And we'll go on out to the next step area that God, you're going to do something great in their life. Father, thank you for marriage. Thank you for designing marriage. Thank you for the institution of marriage. Thank you for setting marriage up in your image. God, I pray that we'll take the seriousness of marriage. But Lord, that how awesome marriage is and the blast marriage can be that you, God, would bring us together to make us one. God, I can't wait to see what you're going to do tonight. We thank you in advance for all the married couples who are going to be showing up that you do a great work. We love you, Jesus. your name we ask and we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us online today. If, while watching this message, you were led to take a next step or made the decision to start following Jesus, we would love to celebrate with you. You can let us know on our website at betterlife.church slash next steps. To stay connected throughout the week, download the Better Life app available on any major platform. Lastly, if you're interested in supporting what God is doing in this ministry, you can give online at betterlife.church/givenow. We're praying that you have a great week and we hope to see you again soon.